Take your Bibles, please, and turn to John's Gospel, chapter 15. John, chapter 15. Scripture tells us he'll never leave us nor forsake us so that we can boldly say the Lord is our helper. We shall not fear. And it's that connectedness that gives to us the assurance of hope in our lives. Here in John 15, a passage that we have looked at several times and will continue to look at for a while, Jesus Christ talks about being connected to him. And if we are going to be the Christ-like disciples that he wants us to be, it's all about recognizing that he is the vine, we are the branches, and only being connected to him can we understand what God wants to accomplish in our lives. Follow along in your text, please, as I read for you the first 17 verses. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. You abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Christ-like disciples, being Christ-like. Jesus gives to us four qualities that are necessary if we're going to be Christ-like. We have to love one another. We have to invest in fruit. We have to keep his commandments, and it's exclusive as we are attached to the vine as his branches. This morning we want to talk about investing in fruit. 
I want you to notice in verse 8 that investing in fruit proves that we are his disciples. Did you catch it? By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And jump down to verse 16, will you please? Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. The focus that God has given to us in our lives is that we bear fruit. Now, as we read this passage of Scripture, I trust it was evident to you that if we don't bear fruit, there's something wrong. In verse 2, he says, those that don't bear fruit, he takes away. And those that do bear fruit, he prunes so that they'll bear more fruit. Jesus also says in verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. So it is imperative that you and I go and bear fruit and that we use opportunities to invest in what God has given to us for his honor and his glory, and it makes a difference in people's lives. We've talked in weeks past about his commandment where he said, this is my commandment that you love one another. And we looked across the page where he says, a new commandment I give you, John 13, that you love one another, and by this shall all men know you're my disciples. Investing in fruit is critical because that's how we know we're alive. As a Christ-like disciple connected to the body. Now we have a number of ways that we can invest in fruit here at Calvary Baptist Church. Wednesday night, our trunk or treat is going to be an opportunity for you to invest in fruit. And if you can come and help and share, that would be great. If you can't come and help and share, you can pray. Invest in Operation Christmas Child is going to be upon us very, very quickly. And it is an opportunity for us to invest in fruit. As we literally send boxes around the world with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to take a couple of minutes right here. And we're going to see an Operation Christmas Child video that will help us recognize the impact that we can have. And then I'm going to just take a few seconds and, and share with you how you can get involved in the next couple of three, four weeks. And folks, it's all about investing in fruit. It really is. So Brenda, if we can show that video, please. They're excited, overjoyed, and we can see it on their face, you can see it on their eyes. Some of them are receiving the gifts for the very first time. It's a symbol to know that God knows me and God loves me. Jesus loves you. Before handing out the boxes, we share the gospel with them. Through this shoebox, we want to tell a child that God loves you and he has created you. We've been able to touch the lives of children all over the world to give them a gift and do it in Jesus' name. OSIS is making a difference by bringing this joy 
but also giving them the true gift, which is Jesus. It's changing the globe. Volunteers from all walks of life and all ages love packing Operation Christmas Child shoebox gifts. Operation Christmas Child is seriously one of the best things going on in the world right now. Operation Christmas Child is carried on the backs of volunteers. They are incredible people. They just love doing it. It's humbling to know that you're taking part in spreading the Word of God to children that you've never even met. You're showing them the love of Christ. There's going to be a lot of happiness, and I'm glad I'm a part of it. When we pray, God takes your gift, and He begins to navigate it. Your gifts are then given to children around the world, and that's only the beginning. After a child receives a shoebox, they are invited to a follow-up discipleship program. The Greatest Journey is a 12-lesson program where the child gets an opportunity to learn more about Jesus. It provides a summary of, of the gospel message in a way that a child will be able to engage and understand. Through The Greatest Journey, children are growing now knowing the Lord. When you give a gift and you give it in Jesus' name, God takes that and multiplies it. Every shoebox is really the beginning of the journey of evangelism and discipleship, and that leads into multiplication. Through a very small thing, God is touching the world. From the shoebox to the greatest journey, this is the Great Commission. A shoebox puts a smile on the face of a kid anywhere in the world. For the rest of their lives, they remember that box. Isn't it incredible to see the impact that these simple gifts are making in the lives of children all over the world? Millions of children are being blessed, not only by the items in each box, but by your prayers. So thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. We never have enough boxes. We always need more. So please, continue to help and continue to pray. God bless you, and thank you. Investing in fruit. Fruit that is multiplied and makes a difference literally around the world. I want this to be very practical for us because it's important we understand how we can have part of it. We hope to do 10,000 boxes this year and be a place where 5,000 other boxes are dropped off. What an impact. There are some key dates that you need to have for your calendars. Here they are. October 29th, uh, that's tomorrow. Through the end of the week, next week, November 7th, November 10th, November 12th, key events. And you say, well, what can I do? You can pray. You can sign up in the lobby area today to be involved. Invest in fruit. I've not chosen, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. That you should go and bring forth fruit. If you want an easy way to bring forth fruit, here it is. And let me encourage you. Because this is Christ-likeness in our Jesus was concerned about fruit. 
In fact, 30 times in the Gospels, he talks about fruit. In the Sermon on the Mount, he reminds us that we are to be productive branches. Good trees equal good fruit. Bad trees equal bad fruit, Jesus said. In fact, he said, bad trees are cut down because they're not good for much. Bring forth fruit. Will you turn to Matthew chapter 13 this morning? Matthew chapter 13. You are very familiar with this passage of Scripture. I'm probably not going to shed any light on the interpretation of this passage of Scripture. But my goal this morning is to remind you of this truth and then to practically apply it in our lives. I want to remind you that this is Jesus talking. This isn't just some suggestion in our lives, but these are red-letter words that Jesus has given to us to challenge us and change us in conformance to himself. Are you there, Matthew chapter 13? Verse 1. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got in a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. Well, wouldn't have that been nice this morning? Beach evangelism, it's okay. Verse 3. And he told them many things in parables. Now stop right there. If you study the scripture, there were 38 parables given by the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll remember many of them. The first one he gave was about a wise man and a foolish man. Wise man built his house upon the rock, foolish man built his Remember that one? And as he spoke in parables, he communicated to them truth. Now, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus used these stories to help his people recognize in the simplest of terms instruction for their lives. Now here in Matthew chapter 13, we're told why he used parables. And so I need you to jump down to verse 10, will you please? Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their eyes they can 
With their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they're closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear and did not hear it. As he spoke in parables, he did it to reveal the meaning to those who received him. Aren't you thankful that God has given to us his spirit to guide and direct us into truth? And aren't you thankful that God has provided for us an opportunity to to know truth and apply truth and live out truth? And he says, you have ears, you can hear. You have eyes, you can see. I'm thankful for that. But he also did it to conceal meaning to those who rejected him. It's interesting when you talk to people about spiritual things, sometimes they just can't see. And Jesus used parables to communicate his truth. And it's important that we understand that. Now, one more thing I want to share with you about parables And you'll have to look at verse 9 for this. It says, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Did you note that? That little phrase is repeated a number of times in in Scripture. In fact, it reminds us that those of us who can understand need to not only recognize what the truth is, but apply it to our hearts and our lives. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now we're going to look at this parable of the sower and the soils together. And we're going to see what the interpretation is because Jesus gives that to us here in Matthew chapter 13. I want you to know that this parable is repeated in all the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And if you read them together, you understand the the total teaching of Jesus. But it's a really easy parable to miss a message in. John MacArthur says this, this parable is very simple. A man goes out, grows seed. The seed falls on four kinds of soils. Some fall on a hard path where they will never germinate. They're either picked up by the birds or trampled under the feet of those who walk on the path. Some seeds fall on rocky soil and begin to grow. But the growth is all upward and the roots are very shallow. So the sun eventually scorches the plant because the roots cannot find moisture in the rock. There are seeds that fall on weedy ground, which become strangled by the weeds that already live there and are natural to that place. Last. There are seeds that fall into good, clean, deep, rich, soft soil and produce a tremendous harvest. 
So let's look at this passage of Scripture, and I want to very quickly go through it so that you can have an understanding of what the Scripture says. And then we're going to see the interpretation of the Scripture, and then we're going to apply it to our lives, right? Matthew chapter 13, the end of verse 3. A sower went out to sow. I want you to understand that the focus of this whole parable is on a sower who went out to sow. It's not a large farming operation. This is not a multi-acre endeavor. It's about a sower who goes out to sow. Now, I want you to note that this sower is just not out on a, on a stroll. He's out with a purpose in mind. Did you note that? The sower went out for the express purpose of sowing. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. We are told that we are to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth. Christ-likeness means investing in fruit. OCC has the purpose of reaching boys and girls around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This isn't just giving somebody a beanie baby. The sower went out to sow. Underline that in your mind, will you please? And as he was going, verse 4, as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. You know, sometimes there's some really hard soil out there. Now, I need you to picture Palestine at this time. Palestine was dotted with little fields that were all over the countryside. And the only way to get to those fields, and in fact, the only way to go through those fields was was short, three-foot-wide paths that allowed you to get to a destination. They didn't have a Capitol Avenue. And all of the travel was done by foot. And it was done from point A to point B, the shortest route possible. And so they would traverse along the countryside, and these paths would be built up, and it produced some really, really hard soil. In fact, as we see in this passage, the soil was so hard that the birds came and devoured them. Did not penetrate at all. If you'll jump over to verse 19. 
you'll see what Jesus said about those birds. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. Snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. You know, scripture says the fool has said in their, his heart there is no God. Some really, really hard soil out there. You've run into it, I've run into it. It's there. But not only is there really hard soil, there's also soil that is undeveloped soil. Other seeds, verse 5, fell on rocky ground, for they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Farmers work real hard to keep the rocks out of their soil. In fact, a lot of times if you'll go by farms, you'll see at the fence post a pile of rocks. And it's because the, the farmers have gone in their fields and they've gathered up the rocks and collected them there. Some years ago, Steve Carey graciously allowed me to do some hunting on his land. So one afternoon, I, I go out to carry dairy and set myself up, and, and I'm there. I'm going to deer hunt and carry dairy. And this was late in the afternoon, and all of a sudden I noticed that Steve Carey was in his field right next to my hunting spot picking up rocks. Now, the way Steve picks up rocks is he has a rock picker. Don't know if you knew there were rock pickers. And it's a machine that has tongs on it, and he drives it across his field, and the rocks are picked up and then deposited in a bin, and they go, bang, 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 bang. And he didn't quit until after dark. And the only deer I saw that day was after I had loaded my bow in the car and was driving off his property and got up to the barn and I saw six deer. But there's, there's, there's some undeveloped ground out there. And no matter how hard you work, there's still rocks that you got to pick up. I don't know how they do it, but rocks multiply, don't they, Steve? And when you and I are living life and trying to sow seed, there's a lot of rocks out there. Now jump over to verse 20, will you please? As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. You know anybody like that? 
there it is. There's also infested soil. Jump back, if you will, please, to verse 7. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. I'm amazed how easily weeds grow. You you plant grass seed and you get weeds. Now, I think one of the reasons for that is that weeds are native to the soil. Every soil has weeds. And they germinate so easily and they grow up, and if you're not careful... They're going to choke out the good that is left. Weeds are at home in the soil. It's the grain, the good seed that's foreign. And there just isn't enough room to share both. Jump over to verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Jesus said, Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where moth and rust won't corrupt, the thieves can't break through and steal. Remember that? And he said, Where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Remember that? And then he said, no man can serve two masters. He'll love the one and hate the other, cling to the one, despise the other. And then he said, you can't serve God and money. Now, there's some debate among theologians whether the folks who grow during the weed-infested soil, who grow in the weed-infested soil, are saved or not. I'll give you my answer. I don't know. That's God's business. But I'll tell you this. It's real easy to see people who the seed has affected their lives and then all of a sudden other stuff comes up. And they break the good habits that they had for a while. They never get back. Someone called me yesterday and asked me to... uh, Biblical question. Someone that we've not seen here for a while, and I said to them after done answering the question, I said, well, I hope to see you tomorrow. Probably haven't seen them for six months. I said, well, we'll think about it. I'm glad that's God's business. I really am. But the reality is, is it's real easy to choke out good stuff in our lives if we're not careful. And then there's that tremendous root that comes from the good soul. Verse 8. Other seed fell on good soil and produced. ESV says grain. That's the same word that's used in John 15 
bear much fruit? Some 100-fold, some 60, some 30. Verse 23, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears. Hears the word, understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another, sixty, in another, thirty. Now, I want, I want you to understand. We can read through that very quickly and, and not get it. The average yield in that day was 7.5. Good fields gained tenfold. Did you note this? 30, 60, 100. Wow! That's tremendous growth. That's unheard of growth. That's beyond imagination kind of growth. My grandfather had a small farm. He only had 80 acres. And I'll never forget going and going into his office and seeing a trophy there. And it was a trophy given to farmers who had reached the 100 bushel per acre club. Now, that's not much in today's standards. But there was a trophy. And the next year I went and there was a, a trophy for 120 bushel per acre club. Wow, my grandpa's pretty special. He's got trophies. The reality is that the unbelievable growth comes as a result of multiplication process. Did you notice that in the video? You got one box, and it goes across the world, and it's given to one child. And moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas and uncles and aunts are affected. 30, 60, 100-fold. You talk about an investment. Investment in Wow. Jesus is talking about here. Good soil. And as we plant in good soil, it's tremendous to see the harvest. Now, let me just make some applications very quickly here. It's the seed that does the work. It's the seed that does the work. And if you picked it up in the interpretation, the seed is the Word of God. It's the Spirit taking the Word of God in people's life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen? And it's the Word of God that works in your life and my life. It's the seed that does the work. The soil may or may not produce fruit. Okay? But the truth is that the soil will not produce fruit without seed. Duh. You got that? Red letter stuff here. Investing in fruit. 
So what can you and I do? Let me make a couple of suggestions. First of all, find a field. Find a field. What's your field? Where do you go? Who do you see? What contacts do you have? Yeah, you know, it's getting tougher and tough, tougher to find a field. I mean, we are disconnected. Social media, automatic deposit, pay at the pump. Uh, really, we are disconnected with, with people. So you got to go find a field. Recognize the power of the seed. Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen? Sanctify them, set them apart through, through my word. My word is truth. Recognize the power of the word. Make sowing the usual normal part of your life. This sower wasn't doing anything unusual. He went out to sow. That's what he did. It ought to be a usual, normal part of our lives. The bell ringer we had this morning. One of our young people received Christ as personal Savior. Now, I want you to know that that family had lived out the gospel in their home. That was the usual thing to do. That family had exposed that young person to the love of Jesus Christ. That's what they did. And you and I, if we're going to see fruit in our lives, need to make it a usual, normal thing in life. Say, well, how do you do that? You start. Hmm? You start. We need to recognize that's a usual part of life. We need to imagine. Just, just think. Just think. Imagine what God can do if we sow the seed. I, I mean, think about that. Imagine what God can do. You want to be encouraged? Think about what God can do in your life. You want to be encouraged to think about God, what God can do with your life. And then we need to trust God. Trust God for the result. And it's all about connectedness, isn't it? Investing in fruit. John chapter 15 gives to us those four qualities of Christ-like discipleship that we may prove that we're his disciples. And what did he say? You've not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Why did I choose you? I chose you so that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. 
pick a field this week, will you please? Make it a normal part of your life. And let's see what God will do. As Christ-like disciples for his honor.